Welcome to another Top of the Table interview. Join us as we hear stories and advice from MDRT Top of the Table qualifiers. Hi, I'm Sandy Chassel, and this is Top of the Table, where we talk with producers at the top 100% of the industry and try to learn what makes them so successful. Today, I'm very excited to be talking with Emily Prendeville, whose business is built on principles that I coach advisors on every day. Uh, that is, if you serve your people deeply, the money will come. Emily believes in giving clients alternatives to the traditional wealth building model and transitions them to strategies that give them access to tax exempt cash flow, the ability to spend more, save more, and give more, and be in complete control of their own money. And she has a program where she partners with advisors who share her heart-based values, but I'm gonna let her tell you all about that. All you have to know right now is that what she does absolutely works. It's made her top of the table in an industry that's male-dominated. Emily, welcome. Thank you so much, Sandy. I truly am honored to be here with you today and um, excited about what will actually come forth for in the um, hope of help, helping others. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know where to start with you because this is a very exciting interview for me. You're top of the table in a male-dominated business. You accomplish this by focusing on serving, coming from the heart and not just being out to sell. Uh, you're a mom, you meditate, you journal, you run, you mentor, you coach, um, you've been in the Breakaway League, you've studied neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, you've been on retreats with some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs, uh, you call yourself a whole life teacher, your advice about wealth building is completely different than the traditional advice, um, and you've created a system for advisors, and we're going to get into that uh, for sure, the life-enhancing advisors, and then um, life-enhancing optimizers where your advisors partner with their clients. So I think maybe the best place to start is to look at all of that, and, and obviously there have been some transitions, but one of the things I was surprised to learn was that you started your work life as a professional horse trainer. You delivered <laughs> cults, you worked with horses. How did you even get into the insurance industry? <laughs> what a wonderful question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I really, um, horses were my love, not only horses, but 4-H, um, which is an amazing organization. You know, the 4-H's the stand for head, heart, hands, and health. And um, I can still recite the pledge today. Yeah, um, because because it's so apropos to, to what you do now. I mean, it was different when you were eight years old, but it's it's so, let's hear it. Sure. <laughs> I pledge my head to clearer thinking, my heart to greater loyalty, my hands to greater service, my health to greater living for my country, my community, and my world. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that where you are today? I know, it is a pretty talk about full circle. <laughs> <laughs> so there you were. Uh, interested in animals, interested in horses. Talk to talk to us about that. Uh, well, I, you know, really, again, 4-H was such a big part of my life. I learned public speaking there. We were actually, in order to be a member, we had to do a public speaking presentation each year. Um, and so I learned 
a lot about leadership as well at that time. And um, I, I just, it, while I went into training show horses and again, and, and, and when you go into the training aspect of horses, even though we often think of there being a lot of women in the industry, when you look at professional horse trainers, the majority are men. And not that that's neither here nor there, except I find myself in those situations. Um, and so after doing that for a number of years, I just decided I would rather talk with people. And um, at that point, I, um, I did interview at places like Fidelity, which was a young company then, hard to imagine, yeah, but true. Yeah. And I, I, I went to these interviews and I, I was just thinking like, but what's the real path? I, there was something that left me feeling somewhat confined. And um, when I went, I actually answered a blind ad in the newspaper, um, which would not be allowed today with <laughs> compliance. But I called and when the person answered on the other end of the line and they answered that it was MetLife, I thought, oh my word, the last thing I want to do is be in the insurance profession. People don't like those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thought, well, I'm going to learn something. So let me just go and, and listen. And I walked out of there so excited. Don Matthews, rest his soul. Um, what a wonderful man who brought me into this profession. And... It, I just, it was an opportunity to be in such a dynamic profession, meeting new people every day and really being the one who I get to determine um, really in a bigger picture, I say today, the life I wanted to create and to really feel fulfilled through serving and helping others. And so that was fascinating. I don't know if you want this tidbit, Sandy, but when I went and told my mother that I was thinking of getting into the insurance industry, her words to me were, how could you be involved in such a filthy industry? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad you shared that tidbit because a lot of the people I work with have faced that with family members. Yes. Wow. And I don't know, I, I would like not to think it's defiance, but you know, that probably somewhere in my mind, it's like, I'll show her wrong, but... It wasn't about that. I, I truly believed. I mean, at 19, when I was training show horses, I actually took out my first life insurance policy. Wow. Because if something happened to me, I didn't, you know, I had a car loan and I didn't want my parents to be saddled with that. And um, I thought, how many 19-year-olds do that? Yeah, not, not very many. You know, I, no, I, so there was something already, you know, activated in my life at that point with the horses that was actually bringing me, I believe, onto this career path. And um, so I always just love, and life insurance has really truly always been my love in this profession because I believe that they are two of the most misunderstood words in the English language. And if more people simply understood them, then more people would own, understood it, like more people would own life insurance. So I've always viewed myself as an educator yeah, you know, I, I know that that's actually what you say on your LinkedIn profile, which is great. I'm a life insurance educator. So there are advisors out there that hear those two words and they have their own way of interpreting them. Can you share yours? Sure. I, I First of all, I would say that for my first 26 years in this profession, I had no clue of the real power of permanent life insurance. I really didn't. 
And I had my CLU, CHFC, CLTC, LUTCF. You would think I understood, and I believe I understood the tax code. Um, and yet, I grew up being taught a needs-based approach. And really, the transition for me began to occur when I looked at if you simply open up other people's idea of the potentiality of life insurance, then it's no longer a need, it becomes a want. And that was really my introduction to understanding part of my initial job, if you will, when I meet with people is to help them keep an open mind. And so it's putting life insurance into context. But I see life insurance as what other asset can you, in one way of looking at it, what other asset can you actually build and accumulate that will help you in your retirement years on a tax exempt basis? And yet you can have use of that money all throughout your life. I mean, there's certain fundamental principles that we all can apply that aren't being taught today. When you combine the power of continuous compounding growth in, within life insurance, even while you're purchasing, making major purchases, hopefully purchases that are multiplying your wealth, learning the value of responsibly using other people's money and leverage, and then keeping your dollars in motion. I mean, these are principles that the banks have used for generations. Why shouldn't we? <laughs> And life insurance just happens to be the, the, when properly designed, is the product that allows people to do all of those things when it sits at the core and the foundation of everything else they're doing to accumulate financial wealth. That's different than what people see as the traditional model of wealth building. And uh, it sounds like that's the, the core of the work you do. When did you get, you said for 26 years, you didn't see it that way. What changed? Um, a, a number of things changed. Um, first, actually, was going through 2008 with my clients. Going through that market crash um, caused me to really, for the first time, take a step back from what I had been taught and believed to be in the best interest of my clients all of these years and begin to question. Wonderful things happen when you begin to ask good questions, right? <laughs> um, and the, I would say it, 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 these questions evolved for me because first of all, I realized in 2008 that I was the quote unquote advisor in this relationship. And yet I did not truly understand the degree of risk that I was asking my clients to accept. Like, it was almost like I was learning about derivatives at the same time everybody else was learning about them. It, it, it just, it really, really twisted with my brain. And so I, I sat back and I said, you know, I believe that the economics of the world have changed through these events. So if I believe that, does it still make sense to continue to tell my clients to do the same thing? And it was really my pursuit to answer that question that began to um, cause me to really dig deep in the research and not look for what's put out there by mainstream, if you will. And in that process is when I came to the realization, it's almost as if most people have only been given half the story. And I include, I include advisors in that. It's as if we've been told how the math works, not necessarily how true wealth works. And I believe the reason 
that we've only received half the story is that most of us, the financial information that we hear is built on the agendas of the financial institutions, Wall Street and the government. <laughs> I mean, I'm almost embarrassed to say it took me so long to connect the dots there. <laughs> but once I did, I mean, really the research is out there. You go back to the Jekyll Island and the creation of the Federal Reserve and all of this history and you start putting that together. And um, it truly led me to a place of of seeing that my mission in life is to share with people through education how they do have the ability based on certain principles to live a life with greater financial freedom so that they can save more, spend more and give more and truly leave this world a better place. Yeah, what a revelation to have. <laughs> and obviously you dug in and researched it. There will be people today that watch this and say, well, I just don't agree with that. I still agree. I still believe we have to build our wealth. So I want to talk to you about the, the decision to look at everything in your business as coming from the heart, serving rather than selling. Because to me, that's that's kind of the core. It's great that you have this uh, financial philosophy that you can share with people now, um, but, but it's really about how you approach clients because the people who believe you, you gotta get your foot in the door, close a sale, keep on going, keep on growing your business, growing your assets under management, and they don't understand that you can do better if the first thing you want to do is help somebody. Yes, you know, very astute, Sandy. Um, I, I think that was always a part of my nature, but I, it needed nurturing. <laughs> and, and especially when growing up in an industry that, yeah, it was always be selling. You know, everybody is a prospect, the old if they fog a mirror, you know. Um, and... So, but my general nature, I would say, is, is quality over quantity. I didn't necessarily know how to create that in the beginning. I mean, in the beginning, you're starting in a new business. It might be a career change for you, but if not, you're, you're likely where putting food on the table is pretty important. I mean, you know, you need to make a dollar. <laughs> and, you, and you don't want that to interfere with the recommendations that, you, that you're actually giving to a client. And so I think there is a natural process for many younger producers. They come in and have to really work through, yes, I will work with anyone. And then eventually as you um, understand yourself better, you can truly create what is, you know, the industry likes to use the word ideal client. And, and what I see though, is that you really get to be your ideal client first. From a lot of you know, um, perspectives um, with ideal client, for one thing, a lot of times it's defined only around someone who um, could be you know, married, have kids, a certain income level uh, or a certain profession. I look beyond that and things like, if you want to create a, a business that's built on a model of people who lead with their heart, then you know, first place to stop is look at yourself. Do I lead with my heart? And how can I put that forth? And I truly believe in energetic resonance. And I've seen this with advisors that I've coached that when they start working with me, the, the, they bring wonderful people to the table, 
But as they grow into this and they're coming more from the heart, the people that they, that they then introduce, um, it, it's been mind blowing actually, because these are people with that bigger vision. Even at younger ages, these are people with bigger visions that wanna impact their community, if not the world. And they're on that path to do it. So it feels that I know that I've experienced this, that when you actually live into it, then you begin to attract those type of people. And, and, and the less is more really becomes a reality. And, and now you're surrounding yourself with people that you also have the opportunity to connect one another because these people are, are working in this bigger vision. Who knows? how someone that you've recently met could impact someone else's life. It may have nothing to do with you in your you know, um, endeavors to promote products and so forth, but to change people's lives, it's huge. So you started with this feeling this way all along. There had to be some point when you looked at what you were doing and said, you know, this really works. Talk to us about that. Yes. Well, I would say the first um, big step after my realization in 08 was to partner with, to actually for the first time, um, bring a coach into my life. Like I, I, I look back, I've had a trend of being stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like, I can do it and I'm going to do it on my own. <laughs> and there's a big change when you move from, I think, that kind of independence, which has its own place, but moving from independence, and maybe I know when I first got into this profession, the sense of competition that was around. So leaving that sense of independence behind and moving more into a space of collaboration, co-creation, and um, connection. And those are areas that really spark. Like I, I'm amazed at the people that have come into my life, you being one of them, Sandy. I mean, just, wow, the minute I met you. <laughs> I talked to a wonderful woman the other day who's also very heart-centered. And she's, it was like we both had shivers talking to one another. It's like, we don't even know why we just connected, but there's a bigger, there's something bigger here. And it's just exciting. So this is, this is what you can bring into your practice and then be that person who is, is also the connector for others to, to, you know, as I said, I love to call myself the whole life teacher. So this is whole life. Yeah, that's, it's so beautiful. It's beautiful to see you're the example of how the, the heartfelt approach actually works. What I love is that you've taken that now and you've started to share that with other advisors and with clients as well. So this might be a good time for us to talk about your life-enhancing advisors and life-enhancing optimizers and, and how that's evolved uh, to the point where you are now with it. Wonderful. Thank you for that opportunity, Sandy. Um, so life enhancing advisors actually um, is only just about a year old. And it, it actually emerged from a thought that I had and I'm putting this out to the universe. I thought about the words came to me a couple of years ago about connecting life with life. And for me, that was about connecting 
the power of life insurance when you truly understand it with families who have adopted children because I'm adopted. And I just love that life connecting life. And I've, I've been working on and have not yet seen my way through to creating um, a um, nonprofit around that. However, that was really sort of the first part of me that began to think, how can I, how can I help more people see life insurance from a different perspective? Think about this, Sandy. If people looked at life insurance the way that, uh, or, or understood its true power, we could achieve economic stability in this country, if not the world. Wow. I mean, how amazing is that? But it has to come from a mindset change. And you know, life insurance was created and formed from the heart. It, it, it was created out of love and helping widows and orphans. Yeah. So, you know, it's always this beautiful piece of coming back to our roots and creating life enhancing advisors, I believe really brought me back to my roots. Number one, one of the first things that I did with life enhancing advisors or saw in my vision was that I wanted to bring advisors together based upon a set of values. And so we created what I call the value pledge. And, you know, to me, I go back to my roots because I'm sure 4-H was ringing in my ears when I did that. Wow. I, I printed the value pledge out. Oh, beautiful. And I love it. It's just, it's a reminder. Um, it's a reminder of the importance to really nurture our mind, body, and spirit every day. And in doing so, we're able to bring more to the world and, and share that. And I'm finding, finding so many people really want this message and opportunity to, to slow down in their lives, to, to, to actually make everything of value and importance and to truly give it their, their best. And I, I believe through our pledge, it's a great reminder. It's, it's not a requirement, but some of the advisors that I work to with, they actually start every day by reading that pledge and that sets their intention for the day, how they'll go forth. And I love one of our values is that we agree to contribute a minimum of 5% of our revenue to a nonprofit. And if, if I can tell a little story about that. Ooh, yeah. So the very first uh, case that we actually put in, in force through Life Enhancing Advisors, I chose to make a contribution to the Home for Little Wanderers, the organization that arranged my adoption. And um, as if that wasn't wonderful enough, it just, it felt good. And again, back to my roots. Uh, about a month later, I got a note in the mail. The advisor that I had worked with had actually made her donation to the same organization in my honor. I mean, it just, uh, I can just feel it now as I share that with you. Yeah, that's and, great. and then I made a connection with a person who does the fundraising there. And then they're like, he's like, I went home and talked to my wife about you and we wanna to work together. And it's like, that wasn't even anything to do with anything. It's just how that happens when you're, when you're giving, when you're giving you receive. And it's just like putting that value forth to first. Um, probably a roundabout way to talk about life enhancing advisors, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that's interesting in our life enhancing advisor weekly group gatherings is that we, we always set an intention. 
And that's one of the things that I'm teaching people is to really set an intention at the beginning of a client meeting and have the client agree or disagree with that intention. And um, we move from there into usually about a 10 minute meditation. Many of these people have never meditated before. They're just learning. And, and I'm really uh, um, only been, been meditating for the last few years. Uh, but it's fascinating when as a group, we do this meditation, how collectively our energies are joined. And we are in such a space of helping one another. And, and you know, there is no right and wrong. There's only learning. And how can we grow from our experiences? It's, it's been really beautiful. And many of our meetings, we, at the end, we're all like, I love you. <laughs> like, who does that? so you partner with them you mentor with them you meet the clients with them you coach them uh you lead meditation with them and um, there are people out there that want to be part of it do you find it's mostly women do you find men involved we do find men involved I've been in about a 50-50. Right now, I do happen to have more women currently. I, you know, I, I feel that it's a space for, you know, many, all of us, the divine feminine and divine masculine within us. And we, we tend to be, I think, focused more on one side or the other. But the reality is probably we're at our best when we're in balance. Mm-hmm. And so... There are, I believe there are many of us who may not yet be able to articulate what they're looking for, but it is that balance. And, um, you know, being in a male dominated industry in the way that my life has been, I've lived more on the masculine side of my life. So, you know, it's funny as we do these things and we're sort of healing and enhancing ourselves and that allows us to help others do the same. Certainly, we love having men and women, and um, I, I, I believe that there really is a, um, almost an outcry for, for this in, in our industry, if, if not around the world. Yeah. Tell me about the client side of this, the life-enhancing optimizers, because that fascinates me, too, that you get the clients involved in giving 5% and, and so on and so forth. Talk about that. So um, I will say one of the things that was really fascinating and that it, it was not something that we do every time and you think we should when I tell this story, but one, one uh, client meeting in particular, it was a rare time that we happened to meet, met on a Saturday and the advisor that I was working with chose to start the meeting by reading our value pledge. And the sense of connection with the client and, and the two of us was just undeniable. It was truly amazing. And, and it takes away from that whole thing. Is this person trying to sell me something? You know, no, they're really here to see if we can really help one another. And so it, it, that's really a great way of starting is by sharing those values. And, you know, as I, I mentioned earlier that I'm seeing more and more the clients that are being brought to partner through um, life enhancing advisors are individuals who are seeking that bigger picture and might already be making, you know, they're already philanthropic at their heart, 
And this sort of gives them another platform, if you will, for that. And also an opportunity, what I'm looking to do is recently we started um, meeting people who actually have created nonprofits. And so there may be a way of highlighting certain agencies for people and so forth as we continue to evolve and um, just again, another way of promoting that message out there. Yeah, I love that we're reaching for something bigger than just, you know, I can protect my family, I can protect my wealth, um, but there's something bigger out there and I wanna be part of it and, and that's beautiful. I don't think that's always been where you were. You talked about 2008. Uh, was 2013 significant to you as well? 2013 was most significant to me because, you know, it's sort of like I started to have these awarenesses. I did have these awarenesses after 2008, but then I was searching and seeking for the best way to actually bring that together. And in that time, I actually was at an industry conference and I really promote going to as we get back to doing things live, but um, you know, participating in industry events, uh, sharing of knowledge is, you know, there's no price tag on it outside the scheduled meetings, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I was at an industry event in 2013 and um, that was where I met another uh, a gentleman, Tom Love, who had started the Breakaway League. And it was very, it was in its infancy. It was only a year old. And they've done great work um, and helped me tremendously. I, I would say from that, it was a huge step for me to move into a partnership with someone else. And the reason being that my career has kind of gone up and down and up and down. I mean, I, I actually quickly went into running an agency because my early years were so successful. Then both of my parents became critically ill and I took some time off. Yeah. Uh, then my son was born and it, it was just sort of, you know, I was trying to get back. And so I wasn't honestly at that point in time, I wasn't happy with where I was professionally. I always knew that there was more and hadn't really put it together. And so it's hard to bring a stranger literally into your life from a coaching or mentoring perspective when you have that feeling that you're not where you're meant to be. And I, I for whatever reason at the time, I just lived, chose to live by this mantra and I'm not really a mantra person, I hadn't been. <laughs> I just kept telling myself, it's not where you've been, it's where you're going. And I just stayed in that lane and I knew that I was changing, my life was changing. I began learning how to communicate in a clearer way to clients. And so, you know, probably my biggest message is, is really, I, I do believe everyone needs a coach in life. <laughs> <laughs> so you like to hear that, Sandy. Well, and I didn't even pay you for that. So. <laughs> but there's things that we don't see. It's like we can't we can't change things with the same mind that created where we're at either. Yeah, yeah. I watched a video video of you talking about a coaching experience that you had, where you changed somebody's life just basically by telling him that the past is past and be thankful for that. And the future can be anything you want it to be. Let's focus on the present. 
And that's all great coaching stuff that it sounds like you're using with advisors and clients and everything else. Uh, you know, it well, I, I love that you brought that up because I, I feel like there's so many books out there about time management. And yet, from my perspective, it's really not about time management. It's about mind management. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I work with clients on uh, and we talk about is how if you've got a, a big goal that you're 100% committed to, you don't have a time management problem. Either you're working on that goal or you're not. And if you're working on that goal, you're going to get whatever you need done, done to, to reach it. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's fascinating because people do make time for what's important to them. Always. Yeah. You know, and I'll say to somebody, do you, if you had a sick friend in the hospital, would you have time to go visit them? And they're, well, of course. So it's not a time management problem. Right. Uh, it's oh, a commitment problem. You just made me think of something that I just, I hear so many advisors talk about how if they make a commitment or an appointment to someone else, they will always keep it. Yeah, not to themselves. Not to themselves, yes. Yeah. Did you? Oh my word. Have you read the book Four Agreements? You must have. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's fabulous. Did, did this open up for you when you went to that neuro-linguistic programming conference <laughs> or, or did something happen before then where you had that realization? The first thing that happened for me was asking the question, who am I? Yeah. And I can't believe it took me to the age of 60 to ask that other than the only reason I say that, put my age out there when I did that is because <laughs> it doesn't matter where you are in life, right? Yeah. Um, but I asked myself, who am I? And I, that's when I got the idea about neuro-linguistic programming and I was gonna stay here in this country and take a course and then I said, I mean, I, I'd like to hear it from one of the co-founders, you know, so I went to London and to be in a room of people from all over the world, 750 people, it was such a phenomenal experience. Like to me now vacationing always includes something that is for the mind and growth that and the experience. And I, I still have a, a dear friend. I was just talking to you yesterday that I met there. It was from, he's from India, but it was not only the awareness around words and helping people move past phobias and limiting beliefs, being in an environment where you're sitting with a stranger, you're actually being taught a technique and then you turn to the person next to you and you may or may not have language barriers, but you're gonna figure it out. And you turn to the person next to you and you actually execute that technique and we were changing the lives of people during that event while we were there. Yeah. Ah, oh, it was it was just amazing. But I realized the awareness that I received from that course about not just the words that I speak to others, but more so the words that I speak to myself. Yeah. And that that's where the real power comes in. Take a minute and talk about that. Uh, I heard you somewhere say that you always felt like you were running away from something or someone and it turned out to be you. <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird? 
Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. That is what happens. <laughs> yes, I guess on that journey, um, it just it took me a while to figure it out. It's it's like what we really wanted. We really want to know ourselves, and then we're afraid to know ourselves. Is yeah. fascinating to me. And and we put up a lot of um, barriers, and and so it's it's kind of it's. I like to say a lot of times we're living in a ping pong match in our head, you know, <laughs> because it's like I've got this great idea and I'm going to do it, and then part of you says, oh no, you haven't done that before. I've got to keep you safe. You're not going to do that. I'm going to take you back to where you were. And this is all happening within our brains. But little things like I caught myself not too long ago saying, I'm just going in circles around this. And then I had to burst out laughing because I was like, well, no wonder I'm going in circles. I just told myself I'm going in circles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, self-talk. I mean, it's, it's oh. really what uh, impacts us the most is what we're saying to ourselves. Uh, sometimes I'm angry with myself because I call myself an idiot for doing something stupid. And well, that doesn't help you. <laughs> no, it doesn't, but we do it all the time. Talk about being our own worst critic, our own worst, <laughs> worst challenge. Um, but I, I think, you know, for me, what's so, so much has changed to my life in the last two years. And, and one of them that's been really, really powerful, there are different names for you know, the, how you start your day, like the power hour or whatever. Um, I call mine connection hour because it's, it's connection with myself and the divine. And I, I have different things I like to do in the morning, but I also give myself the freedom to choose if I'm going to do all of those, a couple of those, what sort of I intuitively live into that morning. I I feel that that first hour of the day, and honestly, I really I normally take ninety minutes now. I need more than an hour. Is is the most powerful part of our day? Yeah, talk and, about the choices. Talk about your routine. Is a success routine? Yes. Yeah, so um, in the morning, not necessarily in this order, and not necessarily do I do them all every day. So, and, and my message there really is to be kind to yourself. And for instance, if you're new at meditating. Meditating five minutes, I've read that meditating five minutes every day for 12 weeks is significant enough to actually change your brain pathways. Five minutes. Amazing. And I remember when I first started five minutes, it was so hard to sit still. Uh, but then when I, as I started to increase the increments, like the first time I went to 20, I had my first really powerful meditation. And when I moved into 30 minutes, even more so. So my meditation practice has become um, much deeper and also it allows me to get into that calmness very easily. So that will vary for people. And it's, it's a practice. You, you, you learn and there are many different ways to get yourself there through guided meditations and so forth. But my morning typically includes journaling. I do keep a separate gratitude journal. I, I love to just write five things that I'm grateful for. Uh -huh. I, I often sit outside and do that. So I'm in nature. And, and then I have another journal that I don't always write in every single day. And I keep a third one that's actually specific to ideas that come to me that are related to my business life. So I have three different journals right now. And I, um, I love meditating and I love to do yoga in the morning. And I recently started doing infrared sauna. Wow. 
got a little, little one for two people and it's good, it's really good for your health. And so I can actually meditate while I'm in the sauna. So I'm multiplying what I'm doing. I'm writing in your journal. You know? <laughs> That's great. That's great. You know, everybody so, needs yeah. a routine that gets them into their work, gets them ready to, to go forth calms them down, slows them down. One of the things you talk about and I talk about with clients all the time is just to slow it down. I'll say to someone, I'm going to make you go slower than you ever did to get more done than you ever did. And yeah. they go, that's not possible, but it is. And you, yeah. I, I know you know this. Yeah, it's like slow down to speed up. And I, I, you make me think, Sandy, about how I... I recognized my moving from a shift of having lived the vast majority of my life, believing that I had to push through things. I'm going to make it happen. And moving from that space of pushing through to actually just letting it be pulled to me is a very different experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think it's the reverse. A lot of times people think, yes, it's the doing first. Like if I do this, then I'll have that. But yeah. the reverse is really what we're speaking about, which is to be. Yeah. Who are you to being? To do. Yeah. And then you know. Yeah. Who are you being, not what are you doing? Because the doing comes from the being. Yes. Wow. But the doing gives us comfort. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's where we want to stay. Yeah. You know, I, I work with a coach and he says, busyness is laziness. And you say, well, wait a minute. What do you mean? I'm busy. I'm working. Yeah. But what are you working on? You're not yeah. working on what's coming from the heart. Exactly. Uh, and, and that's why you and I connected so well, because <laughs> I mean, this is, this is the way you think. And the proof that it works is your success uh, as a producer. You know, the, the fact that uh, not only have you been in MDRT, but top of the table, that, that says, wow, here I am in this industry where most of the people don't think as I do, and yet this works great. Yes, it's so beautiful. But what's so refreshing is that there are more and more people that are really seeing this and wanting to live into this. And um, I just think we're in for some really, really exciting times in our profession. I mean, people do want the security that we can provide, but I believe more so the, the empowerment with their money and a relationship with their money. I, I feel that looking back on the way the system has been is that people want to hand their money over to an advisor and relinquish themselves, not all obviously, but many want to hand their money over and relinquish themselves of the responsibility. And this is just the reverse. It's helping people to realign their values with their monies and with that added meaning, greater good can be accomplished. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. So you've obviously had a journey that got you to this point because you didn't always feel that way. <laughs> so true. If you had it to do over again, is there something you'd do differently? Uh, if there's something I would do differently, well, knowing that the journey for me is exactly the way it was meant to be, I will still say, um, yes, I would have 
Um, I would have sought out a coach much, much sooner in my career and wish that I had seen the beauty in collaboration and co-creation much sooner. And that, you know, it's sort of together we can accomplish so much more. So I know my early years that within me too, there was a sense of competition. But when you live in the world of abundance, there, there is no competition. I mean, we're just simply wanting the best for each other and one another and how we can contribute to that greater good. And I think if you do that and you're always coming from how can I bring value, the rest falls into place. If you wake up every day saying, I wake up today with love in my heart, please let me bring the greatest value I can to others. Oh, that's that beautiful. like answers it all. That's beautiful. Is there some advice you would give someone who's striving to get to MDRT or striving to get from MDRT to quarter of the table or top of the table? Is there some advice that you could give them that uh, they could put to work today for themselves? Absolutely, Sandy. I, and again, I think my biggest advice would be to seek out another professional, whether in, in, the, in, in the same industry, you can choose to do joint work or whatever, but seek out someone who has a skill set that you do not yet have. Because what happens is that you're gaining 10 or 20 years of their experience, that's what you're actually receiving. Yeah. So to be new into this profession and be surrounding yourself, the more people that you surround yourself with, and today with being able to just hop on podcasts and things, I mean, the opportunity for education. But what I have found is people in this profession, they are really loving giving people. And yeah. all you have to do is ask. So I, I, the more you can surround your people, yourself with people that have really been able to build the kind of practice that you admire and respect and want to live into, those are the people to be around. Yeah, that's great advice. Great advice. If you want to know more about Emily's work, uh, go to emilyprendeville.com and look at uh, what she says about life enhancing advisors. I went and downloaded a whole lot of stuff from her website uh, and um, it's fascinating and it's helpful. And you're gonna get to see that if it's always bothered you that you're an always be closing person, here's uh, an alternative that works, that gets you to top of the table or wherever you wanna go. And you, you can have Emily help you if, if you want. And if uh, you take her advice and find mentors, find a coach, things like that, uh, that would also be great for you. And as far as what I have to say is, Emily, I can't thank you enough. This was an awesome conversation. And I hope other people feel the same way. Well, thank you so much, Sandy. I really enjoyed our time together today. And I just look forward to you and I furthering our friendship. And um, wow, so glad you've come into my life. Great. Me too. Me too. <laughs> if you want to talk with me about your journey to the top of the table, contact me at sandychassellecom slash conversation. I'll see you at the top.